Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. For the first time since March, I'm glad to say I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Ryan Abraham and remotely Shotgun Spratling. We have a fun show for you guys today. We're going to talk about uh, Ryan's interview with Craig Niver, USC's safety coach. Uh, Ryan, I'm, it was a good time, right? Yeah, it was fun. He's a great, uh, he's so fun to talk to. So gregarious, just the, the infectious personality. So he was a lot of fun. Get some interesting insights of what the team is uh, doing right now. He's living in a little 600-square-foot apartment by himself. He's about as socially distant as you could get. So, uh, But yeah, he was fun to talk to. Very nice. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some interesting uh, oddities that are happening in uh, fall college football world, just in the sense of USC's ranked on the AP poll, but they're not playing. So we'll get into that. And then roster management. What is USC going to do now uh, that the NCAA has granted another year of eligibility? How does that look going forward? Ryan, you and I kind of got into it on the Parastyle podcast, but we'll bring Shotgun into the mix this time. And of course, you can call us 5124-TUNNEL. Looking forward to your calls. I'm back in the saddle, so we can uh, you can ask your questions to Ryan this time or Shotgun. And then, of course, tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision. Uh, we'll put your comments on the screen. And like always, wherever you're watching, I believe we are live on all three platforms, Periscope, Facebook, and YouTube. So I will be monitoring your comments and putting them on the screen. Guys, we're semi-back to the normal swing of things. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. If you want to show the overview shot, you sure. can see like where we are. Like. We are socially distant. Yay. I look so brunette. I had to like wipe down everything and like yeah. you know clean the whole clean. The there whole was a st- quick Lysol spray before we started. Yeah. <laughs> so we we do what we can. Yeah, it's it's interesting times. It's kind of like it's normal, but not really. Another sign that it's kind of normal. There was college football on on Saturday. Did you guys watch it at all? <laughs> I did not. Did you? Uh, did you watch the shotgun? I watched. Uh, I watched the end of the game. Uh, you know, because it, it looked like it was from. What I saw checking in just occasionally, it looked like it was a pretty crap game until the end when there was some excitement, which is kind of what you expect because, you know, teams just haven't had that full contact. You know, everything's kind of been condensed in the offseason a little bit. So you expect some rough games early on, but it was, it was good to see college football back on TV and to see a little bit of high school football as well this weekend uh, on, TV, on ESPN as well. Wow. Yeah. And what? Austin P, I think their, I think their star receiver was out. And I believe there was one of the teams lost like all their long snappers or something. There was some, you know, there was some little hiccups, but it was actually college football. There was family and friends in the stands watching. So apparently it can be done. We'll see going forward. Uh, I don't know. 
and, and you know, I said this last week. I think one of the biggest components that we're you know hoping goes well, uh, but is concerning, is the travel portion of it. And you know, Central Arkansas in particular is a team that you know they played this past weekend. They're going to play on Thursday as well, uh, and then they have a game uh, you know a few uh, next weekend after that. So they're going to be you know moving and shaking, and you know we'll see how a team like that how they kind of fair with you know being able to put a full team out there because we're seeing you know with uh, some teams and practicing and you know Auburn said that they part of the reason they didn't practice for a couple days this week was they had two position groups really hit hard and and Gus Malzahn just decided you know was it, it didn't make sense for them to to practice so if you know you have an outbreak with a certain position group how's that going to go for your team if you you go into Saturday and you only have a couple of guys out, but they're key guys at key positions, or they're they're at the you know at same, the same position, and you're out of backups or something at a certain position. It's going to be an interesting college football season for sure because there's going to be so many swings like that and, and stuff. But glad to see them back on the field. Hopefully, you know everyone is able to stay healthy, and and we'll see a full season from from uh, you know three of the the Power Five conferences. Well, that's an interesting thing where you might wish that there's a college football czar. At what point do you, like you said, Shotgun, at what point do you just stop it? If there's so many, like with Lincoln Riley, we can't even field a, a position group right now. At what point should there be like a uniform, hey, you have too many COVID cases. Maybe let's put a pause on things. Do you think there needs to be a uniform rule at all? I mean, I, I don't know at this point. You're talking about, you know, these are conferences that want to go through with it. There's going to be some hiccups. If it's Maybe all your long snappers are gone or your star wide receivers out. Those are things you can endure. But if it's your entire offensive line that's, you know, testing positive, you're not going to be able to endure that. So I feel like you have to have some flexibility. And what we saw when the Pac-12 came out with their schedule, there was going to be flexibility as far as moving things, bye weeks syncing up and things like that. I think that's where it would come into play, where you had five cases going into a game. You could still play, but some of your key players might be out. But if you lose your whole offensive line, you're like, okay, we can't play this game. Then that's one of your flexibility weeks, and you move it till till later on. I feel like where there's a will, there's a way, and they're going to figure out a way to make this work. I really didn't think just a couple weeks ago that they were going to be able to play college football. And now it's like I, I, I kind of think they will. And I think the flexibility built into these schedules are go- is going to help. Um, I know you know, there is an Ozar if – could there be a thing where Alabama's got like 25 cases, but they still have enough to field a team and they do it anyway? Uh, and you say, well, that's probably not a great idea. As long as they can, you know, have the players go out there and safely compete and you can, you know, field all the positions and things like that. I think they're probably going to keep going through with it. I mean, it might, it might, I think it's going to take something drastic to uh, stop one of these football games, but, you know, moving a date is fine, you know, but if trying to like stop a, the whole, like for a month or something, that might be a little more difficult for these, for these guys to do. And it's going to be interesting is who has that call, you know, because if I'm a head coach and I'm on the hot seat and I've got, you know, one position, I got five guys and it's my five offensive linemen. Uh, yeah, we got to find a way to, to reschedule this game. We got to move it. We can't play. If I'm the, you know, if I'm an athletic director or a school president or something and it's five cases and, you know, we've established that that's okay, then I'm saying push through because we need that, revenue from the TV uh, deal. So who's making that final call? Is it going to be, is it going to be the, the person who's motivated by money 
And well, it's going to be somebody who's motivated by money, but <laughs> yes. which person is it going to be that's motivated that's by everybody. the money? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it, you it know, might, who, Chuck, and it might come down to the conference commissioners where, like, you're making a case. Like, it's Nick Saban. You're like, hey, guys, our whole offensive line is out. Could we delay? This is early in the season. Can we delay this game until the bye week or whatever? And then, you know, Mike's live or whoever would say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I would guess it would have to come down to the conference commissioners for these things. Mike Slive, huh? Going back? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, Mike, he's not. <laughs> sorry. He's Greg Sankey, the SEC Sankey, commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see how those things play out because, unfortunately, we're going to see those things. You know, you're seeing it in the practices and stuff, so it's it's just it's unfathomable that they'll make it through with no one, you know, having some kind of outbreak or having to, to try to be creative. And that's the thing, and that's the thing that's been impressive about some of these conferences is they're being creative. Um, you know, everyone here has, has, you know, had tried to – has had to make adjustments to whether the schedule – because, you know, USC would have been playing Alabama this past weekend. You know, so, uh, you know, some people we, we would have been in Texas instead. There's already been those adjustments. There's been adjustments to the schedule. There's been adjustments to when, you know, teams started camps. There's been adjustments, um, you know, to practicing. Uh, there's been a ton of adjustments. And – Whoever is, you know, the the most malleable can can adapt the best is gonna, you know, is gonna be have a leg up. It's gonna be a competitive advantage to how well you can adjust to situations. Um, so there's gonna be competitive advantages that are created by, you know, cases and you know who can play and who can't. But who can adjust to those is, is gonna be is gonna be a, a big part of, of how the season plays out. I think. Yeah. And that's something that Mateo on YouTube said. He said, there are a lot of incentives for coaches to delay tests and results until after they play the harder games. Hope that doesn't happen. Now, this might be something you guys already talked about. I was getting settled in here. But, I mean, could a – in the opposite, could a coach be like, you know what? We can't play because we have too many cases but not really say it. And they, in, in reality, they just don't want to play LSU or something like that. Could there be some wiggle room for some funny business to happen? I mean, it's college football. There's <laughs> probably going to be some gamesmanship. Uh, that's why I said it, you know, when we saw everyone kind of back down to the conference level, because this was, you know, the unprecedented things were going on, it basically became like every conference for themselves. They'll do their own things. So I think it's going to come down to the conference level where the, the conference commissioners, maybe there's some sort of committee, a competition committee or whatever. They figure out, they assess what's going on. They talk to each team. Are you fit to play? Or are you not fit to play? If it's kind of an excuse-based thing, like, oh, you know, we're missing a one wide receiver. It's like, too bad. Get out there and play. Uh, I think it'd be, it would come down to like the conference commissioners. And that's really where the power is right now. So that's going to be the highest level. There's not going to be a czar. There's not someone making uh, all the calls. Uh, but there will be some kind of loose connection between, uh, you know, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. As far as those are the teams that are going to be ranked every week, those are the teams that are going to be eligible for the college football playoff. Um, I think it would come down to in each conference, if, if they're not going to have a team that has to shut things down, you're probably going to push forward. Uh, if the ACC can keep going and the SEC has a couple teams, they need to shut it down. I would think the ACC is still going to play. So we might see some some people drop off like it's an endurance race and there are people just not finishing. I don't know. But at this point, if you can play, it looks like these teams are going to go out there and play. They're going to do whatever they can to get there, uh, get out, out there on the field. And every game that goes by that we see, and it works and it's successful. And you know, my thoughts, we talked about this before. I think the, the biggest threat to spread the virus is going to be more on inside the teams where you're in your locker room, all the, you know, internally, if you're playing a competitive game against somebody else, maybe the travel thing, like Shotgun said, would be a factor. But 
to me, it, my guess is the viral load's not going to be enough. Even though you're playing football, you're tackling and stuff, you're not going to be in close contact with those people for very long. It's a few seconds at a time. My, I'm no expert, but my guess would be that's not going to be as dangerous as just really being having 100 guys in the same room for meetings and things like that. So we'll see. But every step along the way, you get a little closer, you get a little more confident, and you're like, this could work. And uh, I definitely – I was in the Keeley camp for a while. I definitely didn't think it would, but let's hope she's – you know, super wrong. Again. <laughs> super wrong, not just wrong. <laughs> now, speaking of which, there were reports that came out this week about the Big Ten, and now one of their their plans that they're looking at is coming back during Thanksgiving. Now, we don't know how how true that is, but what does it say if you're saying that you're canceling it and then you're coming back on Thanksgiving? It just doesn't. And and I guess the way that Kevin Warren has handled this, it doesn't really breed the, the the sense that you have things under control, especially when you have parents protesting at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten's definitely better run than the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 has handled this better. They've made their decision. They came out with their schedule earlier. They were the first to come out with the schedule, even though they followed the Big Ten's announcement for uh, you know a day or so later for going conference only. Came out with a schedule. It was very flexible. And you know they made the decision on the same day as the Big Ten. And I think if you, you know, you can argue it's makes sense or not, but the the California school, schools still can't even practice. So yeah. they're not even allowed to have real practices. They would have to get some sort of exemption from the governor or the, you know, the, the different counties to be able to practice. Now we've seen those for like the Rams and the Chargers and things like that. So you could have pushed for that, but the way it stands now, local governments wouldn't have allowed the PAC 12 to even go forward with practices. A lot of the big schools. So it still makes sense. And they're not backing off on that. They, you know, they did take a little step, a little too far, maybe, to say basketball was going to be delayed too. Now they're sort of backing off that. I don't see them backing off football. But the Big Ten came up with their schedule, and then like a few days later, canceled the season. So that didn't look really good. Yeah. And then you have all the parent revolt, and now you might, eh, maybe we'll start a little earlier than we thought. That's good, though. I mean, I think you need to make decisions based on what you're seeing out there. If you project, hey, we can't play. That's what our scientists are saying. And then you see a bunch of people playing, and I think you have to reevaluate your decision. Like, well, they're playing. Uh, what's the difference here? Can we do this safely? Are they doing it safely? If you feel like, you know what, they're really putting lives in danger by playing, then you probably would still not you know, play football. But if you feel like it's okay, I think they could go forward. But, yeah, they, the Big Ten's not looking good at this. You know, Kevin Warren, the new commissioner, he hasn't, he hasn't been very transparent. I think the Pac-12 has been a lot more transparent mm -hmm. and made a decision and stuck with it. The Big Ten seems to be waffling a little bit, and that's probably causing more problems uh, than anything else. Yeah. And look, the optics don't look good for the Big Ten. But again, I think we should cut some people some slack. These are some, some huge <laughs> decisions. Uh, the transparency is the biggest issue I have with the, the Big Ten and the yeah. fact that they're not on the same page. You got people, you, know, you got presidents, ADs asking, wait, what? Was there a vote? Does this, and they're not even knowing. Like they should be on the same page. They should have come to this decision as a group and made that decision. But the fact that they're now considering another option, I don't have a problem with that. I know a lot of people were like, "Thanksgiving? What? How are you going to do this? What does that even ma matter? Why would you do that? How's it going to play into a potential championship? You're not going to be playing for a championship." But it's such a unique year that I think you you look and see, hey, is this a viable option? If we play. If we start on Thanksgiving, does that mean, hey, now we can play two two extra games or four extra games to what we were initially considering in you know January or February because they're talking about how it's going to have to be a shortened season because of the potential of playing the 2021 season afterwards? Then if you say, okay, well, we can go from six games to ten games if we start Thanksgiving and we think that's going to be viable, then 
I understand doing it. You know, and, and if you're not playing for the, you know, for the national championship, it's unfortunate, but you're trying to get those games in because of the money that is, uh, you know, is affecting all these programs and, you know, the losses that they're taking. So I don't, you know, I, I, I don't hate on them for doing that, but the transparency issue is a big thing and them not being on the same page. That's a, a much bigger um, concern in the Big Ten. Then you know, which is surprising when you have when you're being compared to the Pac-12 and the Pac-12's leadership is is out in front of this when you know the Pac-12 just laid off what ninety something people or laid off and furloughed ninety something people. So uh, you know that when you're below the Pac-12 when it comes to this and they're doing these type of things, then you're probably not doing something right. Yeah. No. Real quick, Keely. Sure. So I, I pulled up uh, Periscope on my phone. So we're we're live on three platforms: Periscope, yes. YouTube, and Facebook. Keely has Facebook and YouTube up on her screen. She mm-hmm. can put the questions up there. I have Periscope up. So if you're on that and you want to put a comment, I can read that one. But usually, when I was hosting, I wasn't able to do all of that. So now we can kind of split up the duties <laughs> a little bit. And we are taking the phone calls too. Yes. Five one four five one two four tunnel. If you want to call it. Yes. Now, something that Mike Bone talked about when the Pac-12 made its decision was he liked that there the one good thing, I guess, was that there was certainty. Like you knew, okay, January 1st, at the very least, is when when things could get started. But now we've seen the Pac-12 and Big Ten have kind of been in lockstep. Is there certainty now? Could the Pac-12 follow it? Like I, I, there were reports about, like Shotgun said, the basketball maybe coming back prior to January 1st. Do we expect if the Big Ten moves, the Pac-12 will move as well? I think the Pac-12 is going to stick to their guns. And it's really because right now there's so many restrictions. I think it's going to take a couple of months for the California restrictions to kind of back off. And then if you do, if, if you feel like the SEC is working, the ACC is working, the Big 12 is working, um, they're able to play games. There's not any games that have to be, you know, I guess furloughed or delayed or whatever and pushed back. Then I think you can go through with the plan and say, all right. Here's the restriction to California. We can talk to the governor. We, we you know, try to get those eased so these teams can start practicing and come up with a plan to have fall camp in December. Um, so you could at least be ready to start a season in January and get a shortened six game division only season and, and make a deal with the Big Ten that will, you know, our champion will play your champion, even if we start, you know, a month later than you guys do or whatever. I feel like the Pac 12 is going to be more about if you can get things working. Start your real fall camp stuff in, you know, the late in the year, but you wouldn't start competitions until after the first. I think for basketball, they might do it a little bit early. I just think for football, they pushed it out. I don't I don't see them do anything else except coming up with a plan where they could be ready to get going as early as possible. You know, it's a free year because of those eligibility issues. The NCAA, you know, passed the uh, mandate or whatever it is. So it basically your your eligibility won't count for 2020 if you play or not. So it's sort of like six free developmental games that would take the place of uh, a spring football, give the guys an opportunity to put some tape, you know, show some NFL, you know, for the potential NFL guys, they would have a chance to play some games before the combine and before the NFL draft. I think that does make sense. I don't see them moving it up to like a Thanksgiving thing, but saying, hey, we're going to start practice and get ready to, to play games in the beginning of the year. I think that would make some sense. Uh, one thing to go with the Thanksgiving idea is if you play on Thanksgiving and you start a season then, you know, then I think you're going to have less people opting out. You know, the later you push back the season, whether it is January or, you know, if you get to January and decide that, hey, we need to wait till February or March, that the longer you push it back, 
And especially if the other three Power Five conferences go through and, and have successful seasons, um, then you're going to have more players opt out because they just want to prepare for the draft. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but one thing to, to keep in mind is the Pac-12, one of the things that they – one of the reasons why they decided to push things back to January 1st was because they felt in you know November, early December, uh, that there would be advancements on the testing front and that they would be able to have more rapid tests available and stuff. So that may play into how this kind of plays out, at least for the Pac-12, since that was one of the things that they was one of the key factors for them making their decision was based on when they could get the test back and how quickly they could. And if their rapid tests have come quicker, then that might lead to a, you know, a, a decision being made to move the season up a little bit quicker. Um, and so you're looking at the factors that were in play at the time, and what they were considering and what the what was uh, you know part of the main considerations of why they made a decision. And if there are changes to that, would this one being had already been slated, hey, we think by by late November, early December we'll have a change there. Well, if that change comes a little earlier, maybe you see some changes to the schedule there, including the potential of basketball playing when everyone else uh, is potentially going to start between, you know, the conversation right now is that basketball, college basketball will start between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas sometime in there. Yeah. And I, I think the, the that's going to be a big factor. Do they know more about some of the heart issues? I know there's been some articles that were sort of debunking that, that uh, paper about, you know, the uh, myocarditis and stuff like that. Uh, but also, you're going to have a proof of concept out there. You're, you're projecting things like, you know, if you're you're developing this, you know, prototype automobile or something and you're coming up with it, and you're like, I think it's going to run this fast. I think it's going to. Well, after you build it and you run it a few times, you're like, oh, that's actually going to work. Like, no, I think you need to put the tires this far apart. Well, you put them this far apart and it actually goes faster. They're like, okay, well, that actually, that actually works. You see Alabama play LSU. You're like, okay, well, that actually worked. So that's a big, that's going to be a huge data point in this where you're not projecting anymore. You're actually seeing this car run. So you're seeing the cars run in those other conferences. You're like, Hey, I think my car can run. Um, so you don't have to be, you know, it's not going to be in this theoretical world anymore. There's actually going to be football being played. And if not, then you feel better in your decision. But if there is, then you're like, okay, uh, we, we made a decision to delay, but we know we could at least start practicing and have some kind of spring season and feel better about it because we saw football being played across the country. That's, that'll be one thing, but also you got to remember the local, local governments will, will play a big part into it too. So how those things play out, you know, it's a data point, but it's not, a, you know, well, they're playing, so we should be able to play because of the, the potential issue uh, with the local governments and stuff. And Ryan asked, you know, isn't there rapid testing available now? The problem was that the Pac-12 had was that not everyone had the same avail uh, availability of that testing. You know, um, Arizona, the Arizona president, who is a heart surgeon, said that their school was fully ready to be able to have, you know, rapid testing done within a day type of thing. But other schools in the Pac-12 weren't. So has everyone else caught up? You know, are the financials there to have that type of testing? Those are the, the questions that play into that because everyone needs to be able to have that uh, in the Pac-12 for the Pac-12 to be able to, you know, to push forward with it. Given everything we just talked about, Guy on Facebook said, what are the odds on playing in January? I think we'll know more in the coming weeks. The, the yeah. more football that's played in the fall, the better chance that football is going to be played in the spring at some point. Maybe not January. But if you're seeing it is improving, you know, it's proving the concept. I think if you at the local governments like Shotgun mentioned still, you know, if California is like one of the only states in the union where you can't do some of these things, I think 
you know, Larry Scott should be pushing back at this point. Like, look, we're going to go forward and have football. You let the Rams practice. You let the Chargers practice. We're going to handle it this way. We have this much testing, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like if that's all happening and the NFL is working and the other conferences are working, you could push back on local governments if they're still being uh, a little more strict or a lot more strict than some of the other, uh, you know, governments from across the country. I think you could push back on all that. So the more football that's played in the next few weeks, the better chance for me that you're going to have football in the spring, probably in January. Shadi? Yeah, I think that you're looking at January. Uh, it's it's something that is going to be – I think it's looking more and more viable that the Pac-12 will play in January versus, you know, when it initially – when they made that decision, it was like, oh, will they even be able to play in, in January? Yeah. I think it looks like it's more viable as long as the – as you see the uh, you know the local government starts you know relaxing some of the restrictions that allow the teams to practice and eventually have full padded practices those type things as long as that happens then yes i think it's a, it's a true viability there and i think that the pac 12 will play i don't i don't see them even if they move things up they're still going to be playing in january i don't i don't know if the season will start in january but i think that uh, playing is becoming much more viable there now i know you guys mentioned money as a motivating factor but how much if football does is it if it's able to be played in fall how much of commissioners just trying to save face would be a motivating factor to get football either in thanksgiving or january i mean there's going to be some of that there's going to be a lot of pressure on the big 10 and the pac-12 the more success that the sec the acc and the big 12 have there's going to be a lot of pressure on hey why did you guys cancel the season we titled this one did the pac-12 pull the plug too early and i don't think we know at this point but spoiler if, <laughs> if you have a really you know we don't i don't think we know yeah but it they you know if you are able to have a season i think the pac-12 had really good arguments for doing what they did i think better ones than than the big 10 did um but i don't think it would preclude you from doing something earlier on in the spring you're seeing these other conferences kind of prove things out you're like hey that's something that we could potentially do but yeah it's i think there's pressure on these conferences but Talking to people at USC, you could save a lot of that revenue if you get some kind of TV money in the fall, even I mean, in the spring, even if it's just five or six games. Uh, it's a great opportunity for your seniors that maybe get some extra tape, and, and they could do that before they would go to the NFL Combine and the NFL Draft and their pro days and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and just you know, at the, by that you might be able to put some fans in the stands and get some more money, you know, revenue that way. So. I don't think it's a, a money grab per se. I think it's a good thing for the student athletes that they get a free year anyway. If you get some games and it's not that many and it's early in the season, it's sort of just like spring football. You missed the season before. I think it's a win-win for everyone if you're able to do it safely. And like I said, you know, if the SEC can play, I think you're proving it out that it's okay. You can figure out a way to make this work. Give these guys an opportunity to play some, do it safely, and then have somewhat of a normal, potentially normal 2021 season later on that year. I don't think the commissioners are worried. Kevin Warren might be worried about saving face a little bit more. <laughs> I don't think Larry Scott has a soul. No. So, you know, I, wow, I a shotgun. <laughs> soulless. I mean, I mean, they're staying until the Pac 12 moves out their headquarters out of ridiculously expensive rent. Uh, area in in downtown San Francisco, then you know wh when are you going to believe that anyone in that management and the, at the top of the Pac-12 has a soul? When you're pushing everyone else out of jobs and you know having to to lay people off and furlough other people, but you're like, but this is a great location. It's a great location for this. The Pac-12, 
you know, footprint could lead you to go anywhere else with that. You know, yeah. you, even if you come to LA, the rent is cheaper and you can find a cheaper area in yeah. LA or even moving outside of the, the downtown area in the Bay area. I mean, you, if you go to Oakland or something, you know, the rent becomes a lot cheaper there, but no, we're more concerned about staying here in this central location. And that was one of the things like listening to some of the stories of the PAC 12 people. And obviously I, I know some people that work for the PAC 12 network. I think we all do. Uh, but listening to some of the, the people's stories about how they were you know, commuting an hour to go into work and really enjoyed it and stuff. Well, if they need to commute an hour, why don't you move the, the you know, if, if most of your employees are having to commute because the rent's too expensive for them to live there, then maybe you can move the actual network outside to where the rent's cheaper and it'll be, you know, easier commutes for everybody as well. But no, that's, that's too much. I think Kyle Bornagora tweeted out the- Yeah, uh, he was- the upper, it was not the operating expenses. It was whatever. Like the, it was more than the rent, but it's just like the the cost of doing business where the conferences do it. The Pac-12 was eight million dollars a year. The other four Power Five conferences combined were like one and a half million. Yeah. So it's so much more expensive for the Pac-12 to do business, and they pay Larry Scott more than anybody. So yeah, did you lay, need to lay off ninety people, or could you have cut Larry Scott's uh, compensation in half and saved a bunch of jobs? Like that just. It's not a good look for the Pac-12. Yeah, not at all. Now, to circle back to something we were talking about earlier, an interesting wrinkle is what USC, the university, is planning on doing for spring admission. And as far as, like, do they have more people? Uh, right now they're remote, but do they continue remote? Because uh, USC this week announced that eight people uh, were COVID positive, or eight student-athletes were COVID positive, and that matches the higher increase for students that are testing positive Um the interesting thing is that USC essentially went five weeks without a positive COVID test with its student athletes and then suddenly doubled it in less than one week. So it shows that there's a higher community spread just because students are living off campus. But if USC decides to have students back, I don't even know if the county will let them, but if they do in March, does that impact how much you can do as a football team, considering that you could have a higher spread in itself? No, I think it does. And you mentioned, Achille, this was an off-campus thing. There's not students on campus, yeah. but they were, you know, guys living off campus and uh, they end up bringing it into their little, you know, somewhat bubble that way. But yeah, if there's more students back on campus, I think there's more of a chance for some sort of community spread, but they, I think the USC athletic department has done a really good job mm-hmm. so far. Uh, and they had a few more cases and they shut down their, their workouts. And a lot of people ask about the workouts. Why are they practicing? They're not having a season. They're still doing their extended like off season workouts and they're got, you know, trying to get ready if they are allowed to start fall camp at some point. They're get kind of getting ready for that still. They got a 12 hours a week they're allowed now by the NCAA. So they're still practicing in small groups. They're not allowed to practice in bigger groups, but that's what they're doing right now and kind of getting ready. So if you shut down a workout for a couple of days, it's not really that big of a deal, but it's something that's, you know, keeping the student athletes, a, you know, giving them an opportunity to stay fresh. They're still taking their online classes and, and doing workouts with their, you know, in their little pods. Yeah. One of the interesting things to me is, you know, we're talking about this with, with the student athletes kind of, you know, getting it out in the community, the, the campus community, um, the extended campus community is, you know, how do out of schools try to police this, try to harness things but when you have so much off campus housing and stuff? Um, you know, it's not like you can go to everyone's apartment and say, no, you're not allowed to leave or no, you're not you're, you're not allowed to have people over when people aren't technically on campus or in student housing. So I think a lot of colleges are going through this, too, is, you know, how do we you know, what can we do to, you know, to to help 
you know, push it through to students like, hey, you need to be following these rules and stuff and not potentially uh, harming, you know, or infecting all your, your classmates if you potentially get it and then come to class or, you know, however, because some obviously some schools are, you know, having full in-person uh, classes and stuff. And then others are having to shift to online. Some have started online and now are looking at, hey, if things are going well, can we open things up? There's a lot of different approaches to this. And, you know, it, it, I'm sure that schools are looking at it and going, what can we do to, to try to minimize risk as much as possible? And it's hard to do when you have a lot of, uh, a, lo a, lot of uh, a community that's, you know, based off campus like USC's is where yeah. you know, there's there's not a ton of actual student housing on campus. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still in a lot of USC groups. And apparently some of the students wanted to call DPS on some parties, but DPS won't respond to it. So if you want to, you have to call LAPD to like get things shut down. So apparently USC is kind of taking a hands off approach uh, to wow. off campus things, which I think makes sense because how much like jurisdiction do they have on people just doing things off campus? Not a lot, you know? And that's that's the hard thing there. And, you know, if you're the LAPD and you've got, you know, there's social issues and stuff going on where and there's just a lot of other things that are going on in the world right now, then yeah, it makes it very hard for the LAPD to prioritize, you know, shutting down a campus party or something uh, or an off campus party. So uh, you would like to see uh, in a situation like that where the DPS at least tries to do something, you know, it tries to be a, a, a mitigating factor, but you know, it's hard for the school to, to be able to just put their foot down or anything when, like I said, that a lot of the, the students are living off campus, even if they're not coming to class. Mm -hmm. And something to note, too, is that USC initially got three, uh, USC's athletic department initially, initially was alerted to three positive COVID tests before they got the eight total. And they had already thought, OK, we're, we're pausing workouts. So it's not going to be like a Lincoln Riley scenario where USC has multiple positives whenever they do play and then they're going to keep playing. They're going to shut things down and do things correctly in that sense, if you will. Um, so even if there is a season or whatnot, it's going to be dicey as to can you contain the spread? And if there is, can USC even continue on? So things to uh, think about. But we had a question on Facebook about is there a concern or issue if there is both a spring or fall season in 2021? Yeah, so that comes up a lot that people are worried about. You're going to play twice. So for me, I don't, I don't have an issue with replacing. And I think, uh, I forget what one. Of, I think it was the uh, Purdue coach that came up with, uh, uh, was it Brom that came up with um, uh, a plan to do a spring football season where you'd actually have less padded practices than you would if you had a regular spring practice session and things like that. Where if it's a shortened season, and I know some people, you know, don't want to hear anything about spring. They don't think, you know, there could risk injuries. There's things like that. But you know, there's an opportunity to play you know, some games early on and your season might be over by March where, you know, where, you know, where spring football would have ended. Um, something like that. I just don't see that big of an issue with maybe it's April, but that's, you know, usually when spring football ends, then you have the same amount of time before fall camp. And is 2021 going to be quote unquote, like completely normal, or is it going to be another, like maybe conference only type of season again? We just don't know at this point, we have to wait and, and kind of see, but planning for something that you could do, I think it's feasible to play a shortened spring season and then something close to a regular, you know, season in 2021 or, you know, in that ballpark that maybe even starts a little bit later. I think that's feasible. It's not like you're asking them to play one season next to another back to back. You're essentially replacing spring football with some football games that you didn't get to play in the fall. So I know there's people who don't like it. I've always thought it would be feasible. I think that, that when you look at it, there's there's opportunities and ways to make it work. 
Now, are you going to play a full 12 game season in the spring and then a full 12 game season in the fall? No. Um, you know, that's not going to be feasible logistically. So I, I think that you're looking at different ways to go about it. And just like Ryan said, you know, you're replacing spring practice. If you cut down the amount of fall camp practices that you would normally have, you you can end up having, you know, I think it was uh, the, 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 uh, proposal you were talking about, I think it was Jeff Brom, that um, that there would be actually less padded contact periods in 2021 with two seasons than there would normally be in a year when you have a spring practice and uh, a fall season uh, because they're going to cut out some of the fall camp practices beforehand. You're obviously cutting out the spring practices as well. So there's different ways to go about it, and I think they can definitely make it work. Now, the, the question is, you know, when you can you start in this, you know, for a spring season, you know, how long do you make it? How long does it last? How much of a break do you have in between? I think that's a big question because if you if you need to push the season back on the other side, the fall 2021 season, you can do that as well. Uh, so I think it, those, those are things that would have to be worked out. But I think, yeah, I think it's feasible. I don't I've never had as big of an issue with it because We've seen where players play in the in the fall and then are playing the spring and then play in the fall with XFL teams and the NFL and different things like that. Do you want it to be common? No, but I think you can definitely make it work. Something that Coley wanted to know is that if and when USC does play, do they add out of conference games? I guess the Pac-12 in itself. Do they add? I mean, not that it wouldn't be the spring, but that would be the question for the 2021 season. You got to see what you do in 2020. Like, what is the, you know, what does the fall season look like? Is there a spring season at all? Is there no season that they have to shut it down after week one? We don't know. But if you have a somewhat regular fall season for the other conferences and maybe a shortened spring season for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, I think there's the potential to play out-of-conference games in 2021. If it's not anything near normal, you might, 2020, 2021 might also be, a mostly conference only type of, type of situation again. But we, I mean, too early to tell. We got to see what happens with 2021. But the better 2020 goes, the better chance of 2021 being quote unquote more normal. Also, so if things are, if things are going well, who's to say that USC can't play Notre Dame in the spring? I mean, why is North Dakota State allowed to play a game in the fall just as a showcase game for Trey Lance and then have a full season in the spring? Like, and now maybe it's it has to do with the FCS versus FBS and the scheduling there. But you know, you're looking at uh, you know uh, who was uh, Austin P. They're playing three non-conference games now, but then they're going to play their regular season and potentially in the spring. Like how does this, exa- who's making the rules on the scheduling? <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know the, the answer to that actually. Um, so, you know, if it's feasible and things have gone well in the, the fall, who's to say that USC can't play Alabama in the spring, you know, who's to say, who says that, Oh no, you played in the, you have played a fall season. So you're not allowed to play in the spring. It's, I mean, are you going to say that when you've got FCS teams, you've got you know, uh, teams that are doing that right now? Well, who's to say it? I don't yeah. know the rules on it, and I don't know who's going to make the – you know, who's going to establish, like, no, that's not allowed, and yes, that is allowed. Yeah. If you remember the last pandemic in 1918, actually, I do. <laughs> there was uh, – none of us do, but the, they did have – you know, some teams played are, like three, wait, four, five sure? games. 
Are we sure that Dan Weber doesn't? <laughs> he might have. Dan might have been around. No, but you know, they had weird, like some teams played like eight games and some teams played like three. Uh, like, you know, Shotgun mentioned Austin Peace playing some. Who knows? You could get creative uh, that you play a division game. You know, you play just the division games and, the, and then maybe, oh, you know what? Alabama wants to play. Let's do a, you know, after the season game with Alabama. Who knows? I mean, uh, it's there's going to you have to be flexible in all this. So the people are just like, no, you can't do it that way. I, you don't know. Like you just have to. You're trying to do whatever you can. No, what's no. best, and not just for money, but for the student athletes too. And if they don't want to play, if they don't want to play in the spring, they can easily opt out. But I know there's a lot of football players that would love the opportunity to get out there and showcase themselves if they can, if they can do it in a safe way. Yes, you're risking injury, but you're always doing that. Um, you you just have to try to be flexible. And I think. You know, that's what the Pac-12 is going to have to do going forward. They've, they've handled this pretty well so far. I know there's comments about you can't even practice. You're right. Like, that's – I got no issues with them canceling things because you can't practice. But if you see other states and other conferences playing football, I think that you can go to the state governments and be like, hey, look, we here, we want some kind of exemption. You, what you did for the Rams, what you did for the Chargers, do for us, and we're going to do it this way and keep it safe and, and give these guys an opportunity to play if they want to. And the guys that don't want to – they can opt out or, you know, they don't have to play, but no one's going to lose their scholarship over it. But there's a lot of guys, I think, that do want to play. I guess just to be devil's advocate, what is the incentive to play if you could risk injury and you're not really playing quote unquote for anything? I mean, you are. I'm just wanting to throw that thought out. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of seniors on the, the roster that, you know, do they even want to stick around for another year? They won't count towards uh, the uh, the scholarship limit, the 85 scholarship limit. Uh, if you're a guy like Jordan Isefa, you know, you play for. Like, do you want to get out there and, and show what you can do? I think so. You know, does he want to necessarily come back and play in 2021? I don't know. Maybe not. But if he gets six or seven games in in early 2021 for the spring, and he doesn't have to play, you know, come back and do the whole off season for that, you know, he might want to do that too. I think at least you give these guys uh, some options, and you know, you need the flexibility. You want to have some options there, and I think it'll work. You know, the fans would love to see it. I think the you know, student athletes would like to play. I just think you want to give them an opportunity if it's safe and you can do it. And a lot of people, to what Ryan said, a lot of people just assume that every student athlete wants to come back and play next year. Some people just want to go ahead and start with their life. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different example, but I had a teammate in college who was an All-American. Uh, we were a Division three school, so, you know, not as talented as, you know, any regular school uh, that, that we're talking about here. But – he got offers as a baseball player to, to go to the minors. And he decided in his mind, he said, you know, in five years, do I think I can make it to the majors? No. Well, I'd rather start on my actual career and get into coaching rather than go and spend a couple of years and waste a couple of years of my life playing minor league baseball. It'd be a great experience, but I would much rather start on my actual career. So if you're looking at, at someone like a Frank Martin, so Frank Martin ha obviously has not played at USC. He's played a couple of snaps. Maybe he decides – Coming back and, you know, if I don't see that I'm starting, you know, if I don't see that there is a, a path for me to start the next – the extra season as a senior, maybe I'd rather just go ahead and get get started on my career and, you know, whatever his career is. And you've seen that with – this is a question that happens a lot of times with walk-ons. You know, coaches will say, hey, we can bring you back. We can't offer you that scholarship again. Or we just don't – we don't have room. Do you want to come back? We would like to have you because you've been great on special teams and different things for us. 
coach, no, I got to go ahead. I can't spend the money. I just got to go ahead and, you know, get started with my life. I got, you know, I've got my real estate license or whatever it may be already. I want to go ahead and start working towards that and working towards my career and my family and different things there. So it's not a given that everyone wants to come back. So uh, that that's just a thought that came up with Ryan's comment, but you just got to remember that not everyone's thoughts are the same. It's not, you know, <laughs> not everyone is all about ball all the time. You know, there's yeah. other things to being a student athlete, yeah. including being a student and, you know, getting that degree and working towards uh, your next profession. Yeah. Danny on Facebook wanted to know, have the Pac-12 schools lost confidence in Larry Scott? Any chance they dump him? I mean, his contract's up in two years. And I think that the athletic directors had lost confidence in him for quite a while. He pretty much shut them out. I think he's open. He's, I think he's changed a lot and he's opened up more to the athletic directors, but it was the presidents that really were keeping him employed. Now there's, I think only two or three presidents left that, that brought him in. Um, there's a lot more criticism of him, of, of him and, uh, you know, they tried to do some things to bring, uh, you know, better stories about the Pac-12 to light. And it's, you know, there's, but they're the, the really good journalists that are covering the Pac-12 have been very critical of Larry Scott. And it's, it, you know, there's valid reasons for that. So I don't think there's a lot of confidence there. It's probably going to be a situation where he's not going to be renewed. I, my, my guess is he's not going to be renewed. Does he leave though before the, you know, his contract's up in 2022? Hard to say, but maybe something next year. The COVID stuff might have delayed things a little bit. I, my guess is they're going to be actively looking for a new commissioner. And uh, they, they saw what happened with Kevin Warren and that wasn't a, a great start. Do you want Larry Scott to sort of like get through the COVID stuff and then replace him after that? Because that's no fun to, for anyone to come in and start that. So uh, I think it might be one of the situations like let him go through this quicksand and then when you get to the end, maybe replace him there. But I, I don't think he's coming back. Shotgun, do you have any more hot takes? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that their confidence is waning. And they're, you know, the, the question is with the new TV deal, um, you would like to have someone in place and let them get started on negotiating that TV deal. And it's right when Larry Scott's contract is going to be up, you know, when you would want to be having those conversations. So yes. it's not great timing for the Pac-12 there. So maybe they start looking at some other options even, even sooner than his contract when his contract expires. Yeah, the 2024 is when the, con the, the the TV thing, and that's the big one. And like Shotgun said, that's like a two-year out thing. you got to be really working on it. They tried to do some equity sale stuff. That didn't work. USC, UCLA both said, pound sand. We're not going to like sign away our, our lifetime TV rights so you can sell some, you know, a billion dollars worth of equity for whatever. So that didn't work. So I think, yes, it, 2021 was probably a good time to get a new commissioner coming in because then you get a little bit of a head start on that 2024 TV deal, which is huge. I mean, it's really huge for the future of the conference. They have to not be as far behind as they are because by that year, they're going to be really far behind these other conferences. Just a friendly reminder, our phone line is open, 512-4-TUNNEL. Oh, yeah. We had a question from Oscar who says, uh, do you think the universities can require athletes to sign a waiver to play sports? Uh, would USC be playing football? Can they even ask athletes to sign waivers to play? Both Congress and the NCAA said no. Yeah. So that's not a thing. Big snay on the Aver way. No waiver. Yes. Yeah. So, so the whole idea here is that schools would sure there would there would be some athletes and parents that would would willingly do this and some schools that would say yeah and schools definitely would say if it was ethical they would say yeah let's do that let's figure out a way that way we're not liable for everything but the big question is it's an ethical question it's like is making students sign away a waiver 
um, you know, a medical waiver to so they waive their rights. That's where the big issue comes around. And the NCA just went ahead and just put a nix to it initially and said, no, we're not going to allow this at all. And then I, I think, like Healy said, that the Congress also was like, no, that's not not something we're going to allow. Yeah. Uh, Coley had an interesting question or thought. He said, if for some reason everything was perfect now and you could go ahead and play football in the Pac-12, how long would it realistically take for a team to be football ready, quote unquote, to play a game? I think most of the, the good thing that the workouts have continued are they're sort of in a mode where they could be ready to start fall camp within a week or so. So I think you'd be a month out. Like if if everything was okay and you're like, all right, you're allowed to have full-on practices, you can share a football, you can lift weights indoors, like all things that people at USC can't do right now, I think they could be ready for fall camp in like a week or two because like, they've been doing these workouts. So I, I feel like they're ready – They've done the stuff to work up to get to fall camp and, you know, they would have an opportunity to do that. Now, did they get to do a whole bunch of like seven on seven and those summer workout things that they normally do? No, they didn't get to do all that stuff. But there's some work that was being done. I feel like you could turn this around pretty quickly. And if you wanted to say, uh, you know, have a game on, uh, you know, what's the you know, if it's October 1st uh, or September 1st, could you have a game by October 1st? I think you could do something like that. If everything was cleared to practice and stuff right away, you could start fall camp, be done in a month, and and, and have games, in my opinion. Yeah, you're still going to need that month, but still there's – even then there's still going to be concerns. Yeah. Um, you know, people are like, oh, well, they're still working out. Baseball players still worked out. And look at how many injuries you've had in the MLB because you've changed the schedule of what they're normally used to. Yes. Um, and, and baseball, I think is more, is, is more difficult to be thrown off schedule with your off season training and stuff, just because arms are more delicate, I would say. Um, so, but you've seen a ton of injuries in baseball and it's not just pitchers arms. That's, that's been one of the biggest uh, cases, but you've seen a lot of, uh, of players, you know, have hamstring and those soft tissue injuries and stuff as well. And that's a big concern. I know for coaches and stuff. And, and I think it's going to be a concern for, for the team, the schools that are playing now, because it, you know, how much they were thrown off a little bit during that, but especially when you get to a November or a potential spring start is, you know, can you ramp back up in the same way that you have done previously so that the body is used to it and you're ready to go. So you definitely need at least a month, but there are still some concerns there even after that. Yeah. I believe in June when things were like, kind of ramping up coaches were saying they would want six weeks so i think that's the sweet spot if you could um but obviously but they weren't working out then that's the good thing is true. they have had workouts mm -hmm. but yeah i think it'd be the longer the better so if i don't think they'd want to have a game october 1st though i think it would be still early january or something the earliest you'd want to do it so it would give you more of a lead up that you could have a few more weeks to get ready for a fall camp that would start in december or whatever it is so mm -hmm. yeah but if you had to, like gun to your head, they could probably start playing games in October if they, you know, if they could start really practicing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to make a hard switch right now uh, for a question from John on Facebook. He says, "Any updates or thoughts on Jake Garcia recruiting? We yes. some war room stuff. If you want to check that out, we had some war room stuff on Jake Garcia. I believe the last two weeks, uh, you know, he's been included as well as Gerard just did a, a recruiting rant podcast. So uh, if you check that out, I'm sure the topic of Jake Garcia comes up in it because everyone wants to know about Jake Garcia right now. I, I think just, you know, just looking at it from a, you know, hover uh, hovering over top view is that it's, it, it becomes much more feasible and easier for Miami to recruit him 
because Miami is the, the big school that is, is in consideration here to potentially flip that commitment when he's much closer to Miami, you know, Miami doesn't have to, you know, if, uh, you know, recruiting is allowed where coaches uh, eventually are able to go and visit and, you know, see kids and stuff play. Um, and the fact that he's closer that he could potentially make a drive to Miami and go visit them, whether it's a unofficial, unofficial visits, as we're seeing with some schools where kids are just going and walking around the campus and stuff, <laughs> a lot more feasible when he's, you know, uh, I think it's like a five hour drive away or something versus being across the country. So yes, it makes it, you know, makes it more alluring when you're close playing close to it, because obviously Jake Garcia, if anyone doesn't know is now at Valdosta in Georgia playing uh, for, for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus Miami's, Potentially going to be playing football and USC won't. So there's some, some opportunities there, but still looks good. I think USC's, you know, still in really good shape for him to sign with USC unless something weird happens, which and, most, and, most certainly will. <laughs> and it's, it's good for Miami because they can show, you know, their offense and, and be able to, to showcase what they can do a little bit more. Whereas he's seen USC's offense. USC didn't change a bunch of coaches on the offensive side or anything. So I think it's easier uh, sell for USC um, or easier sell for Miami to be able to play and show him where he would kind of fit in. Mm-hmm. Shotgun, I don't know if you are in your rapid fire swing these days. Are you? <laughs> hey, real, real quick though, Keely, about yes. the we uh, wanted like the Craig Niver stuff. Uh, just if you get, if there's yeah. any kind of questions that you guys had for that, but it was it was interesting to hear what he had to say about these offseason workouts and how he's. Uh, working with Dante Williams and, and Todd Orlando in their scheme. Um, sometimes he's going to throw five safeties out there. Uh, he was a really – I would go check it out. It's up on our YouTube page. It's up on uscfootball.com, uh, the full interview with him. So it was our lunch with a Trojan we had uh, earlier in the week, and uh, he was great. So it's someone that you want to – you want to be excited about some of the new assistant coaches. He's certainly one I think you would want to be excited about. And, and, you know, check out that interview. We'll put some other stories kind of along with it too. But the AP poll, we talk about that, and we can get into some rapid fire stuff. Sure. It, I mean, preseason polls make no sense, right? They don't make any sense. This makes the least amount of sense. So there's a couple weird things. One, the coaches poll, you know, you have coaches vote on that, which really the SIDs or ADs that do it. They're only going to let the coaches that are going to be playing in the fall vote for the coaches poll, which you could argue should be the exact opposite. You would want the coaches that have way more free time to, that could watch all the games and would do it in an impartial way. They should be the ones voting on this. And then for the AP poll, they're ranking everybody. So USC is ranked number 17. You know, Oregon's ranked number nine. I think you I think Utah's the other one. They're like 22 or something. Three Pac-12 teams. So they're ranked in the preseason poll, but we know they're not going to be playing in, in the fall. And we know that the college football committee is going to be making a selection from the teams that are playing in the fall. So it's probably going to be a short-lived ranking. They're going to, all these teams are going to be ranked. Ohio State's number two, and they're probably going to drop out of the rankings in, in week two or week one or whatever. So that, I, it's just baffling. doesn't make any sense. Rankings don't mean much anyway, but I have no idea what the thought process was behind that. The rankings mean something. The AP poll may not, but you know, there's some BCS rankings that come out later, or college football playoff rankings that mean BCS. something. Um, so, so, some, so some rankings do matter. Um, I, I, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, if, if the re- the schedule that is now and the three power five conferences play now and the two, uh, you know, the big tw- 10 and Pac-12 play in the spring, are, do you then have an AP poll after both those seasons? Do you have two separate polls? You could do a lot of different things. Um, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how things just play out that way. And, you know, if, if what, if 
one conference is only able to get six games in and the other conferences get in 10. How does that play into it? I think it'll be similar to, you know, we brought up the, the 1918 season when, you know, you had the influenza pandemic. You know, they did different things like that. You know, you just have to weigh all those factors when you're trying to make these rankings. Um, and again, the rankings don't matter that much because inevitably someone like Ole Miss or Mississippi State gets ranked and move all the way up with Dak Prescott. They move up in the top five and you go, no, they're not really a top five team. Just because they're in the SEC doesn't make them a top five team because yeah, they win I, two games. I do like that, though, Shotgun. This would, the only way the AP poll would make sense is you have the preseason AP poll, then it shifts to the fall and all those teams drop out. But then in the spring, there's like an AP poll that basically includes like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and maybe some, you know, Boise State could be in there. There could be some Mount West schools. Uh, and then they do a mold, you know, they, they merge the two polls together. So uh, so then you can argue like, wait, was Ohio State really number one or should it have been LSU or whatever it is? I think that would be kind of fun to have a poll in the fall, a poll in the spring, and then merge them together if that's what ends up happening. Yeah, my suggestion would be you do a top 10 instead of a top 25 for each of the fall and spring. And then at the end, you could do a combined one because, it, you know, you always talk about, oh, well, you know, uh, this team hasn't played anybody. Well, now they're really not playing anybody when you're talking about <laughs> Ohio State. And if Clemson takes a loss, do you go, well, Ohio State wouldn't wouldn't have taken a loss yet. So they should be number one, even though they haven't played any games. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we have a question from Dave Rice who says, if the Pac-12 began games in uh, January, would early enrollees at USC be allowed to play and or practice such that in games under current NCAA rules? So that, I mean, I don't think the NCAA rules cover that because this is such a weird scenario. You're normally, normally not playing games yeah. uh, in that situation. I think it would have to be some sort of NCAA ruling that would come down on that. Uh, because they're allowing, it's essentially like you're putting the 2020 class and 2021 class together. They're all going to come in and it's going to be this huge freshman class. Uh, I think the ones that can early enroll, uh, I think they, I think they probably would be allowed to play at that point, but I don't think it falls under my understanding. It doesn't really fall under any current NCAA rule because you normally don't have games starting then. So this is a question I've actually had and I haven't been able to get a, a, a you know, a solid answer on it. But I think that if that happens, playing in the spring could become a recruiting tool yes. for some high-end 2020 athletes because the, the thought process is, especially with basketball players, is, hey, you want to get to campus as soon as you can so you, you can get through school and start your NBA clock or you, you start your professional clock sooner. Now, there's a the bigger question with you know just the physicality of football and players being ready earlier. But if you're a Corey Foreman, or a, a JT Tuomaloa, then those type players are physically already ready. Yeah. So th if they say, hey, you have to be three years out of high school, why would I not want to go and play in the spring and then potentially play in the fall, and then I'm out by 2022, and I'm going into the NFL draft a year earlier than I would normally. Yeah. If, if you're that high-end, top-end guy, I think that then becomes a recruiting tool for, uh, you know, for the Big Ten and for the uh, Pac-12. Uh, if that's the case. And I think – now, I don't know. The NCAA may make some adjustments to it, but DJ Ungalele was able to practice with Clemson while they were going through their national championship run uh, or, or attempt last year um, during the practices leading up to the LSU game because he early enrolled and they were already – you know, he was out there and he was a scout team quarterback mimicking, uh, you know, um, Joe Burrow and stuff. So how are you going to tell – other athletes, well, this guy practiced last year and was able was eligible to practice and stuff with him. Now, maybe they're only allowed to practice, 
Maybe, you know, there could be different things, but even then I would rather be practicing with a, you know, a full uh, schedule on the books rather than only having a, a spring camp like, uh, you know, the other conferences will be. So this could turn into being a recruiting advantage for the Big Ten and Pac-12 if that is the case with some of those high-end players. Yeah. Mateo wanted to know, how are trophies and awards going to work? That's another question. <laughs> all over the place that's it's hard to say we we talked about this i think last week just talking about the potential of the heisman Mm -hmm. i mean the heisman is obviously the the most well-known prestigious trophy in college football and it's run by a trust and they have a big you know a big thing every year they get all the the former winners together in new york for the presentation everything i think they're going to want to have that again and if that means moving it to March or April or whatever to, to be able to have that, June or July, whatever, then I think they would do that to be able to still have their presentation and all that. If it looks like it's not going to be feasible even then, then maybe they do it in December. So a lot of question marks there that, that it's just an unprecedented season that uh, that we don't really know the answers to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Heisman voter. They haven't sent us any information on that yet. Usually they keep you well-informed. I, I don't think they know. And I think it's going to be every award is going to be different. Um, you know, the lot trophy, like there, there are all these committees that, you know, vote for these awards. They might wait until after all the games are played. We're assuming there's going to be some sort of spring season that you could com- compare it against. If not, then they'll just do something after the fall. If there's going to be some kind of spring season, then decisions are going to have to be made. Do we want to delay this award until later on or oh, it's a short season? We're not going to consider those those players from those teams. We just don't know at this point, but there's all of that stuff is on the table. Mm-hmm. And like all American teams and stuff like that, those, those type things play into it as well. You know, I would I would just rather see a spring All American team and a fall All American team instead of doing three teams like you do normally for the AP. Uh, you just do one first team for each each season or something like that. Who knows? There's going to be a lot of a lot of things that are going to be weird, but it, and we hope that it's weird because that means that the football is actually played. Yeah. Sure. That's a good point. Um, Oscar said, can you see SC breaking away from the Pac-12 and going independent? Is this even a possibility or a good idea for USC? Ryan, this is your expertise here. I mean, I think it's something you have to consider. Uh, Mike Bone, when we, we had him on the show, was like, you got all options. you got to be on the table. But there's, you know, what's happening right now? USC has to get their house in order. I mean, they can't even have a season right now. That's just sort of like the last thing that's going to be on your mind. It's something you want to keep in you know, in the back of your mind somewhere, but they have to fix their own house first. They have to make them, uh, you know, USC football more valuable. And it's just not, it's not the national brand that it was before. And I think this is a season that they could have done that. 2020 was looking pretty good. Um, And, you know, now it's potentially gone. And I don't think they'd have the same kind of opportunities to play in Alabama and in Notre Dame. Uh, So, yeah, I, I think it's something you would have to look at. It wouldn't happen until 2024 when the, uh, the, the television contract is up. But if USC can kind of get its ducks in order and get the new athletic department gets everything working, then we put yourself in an opportunity where that's at least a bargaining chip when you're going, when they're doing the television negotiations. Do you want to make as much money as Oregon State? Or do you want to say, we want to keep our own tier three rights like the, the, like Texas and Oklahoma does and they make all this extra money from that? Something that would separate you from the rest of the Pac-12 that you would give more opportunities for, for revenue. And if not, then you could say, okay, well, we're going to you know, look at joining the Big 12. Or we're going to look at going independent. But I think USC has to kind of take care of their own business first. 
put yourself in an opportunity where it's more of a valuable asset again. And then they can, when they come to the table in the negotiation, maybe the Pac-12 says you're getting X much more than these other schools because you bring in more television dollars. Or they say, no, you're going to get the exact equal share. Then USC has some kind of bargaining chip. Like, well, we're going to look around and, and explore other options. And they might be good options. They might not. But I think it's something you have to at least consider. And the good thing, when we talked to Mike Bone originally, he was like, all things are going to be on the table. They have to do what's best for USC. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple more questions. And then uh, uh, to go along with that, Bobby asked earlier in the, in the show, he asked, might we see conference realignment? And, mm-hmm. you know, with the way things are playing out and maybe, you know, if you're in Arizona and you don't like the way the Pac-12 has made these decisions or the Big Ten, uh, you know, if you're in Nebraska, do you suddenly decide you know, we want to consider looking elsewhere because of how these things have fallen out? Uh, and that's that's the case. Anytime that there is a, you know, a big situation like this, uh, that, you know, there can be people that change their minds about where they are in, in their in their uh, their realm of being, I guess, um, whether it be, you know, if you're a, something happens at work and you decide that, yeah, maybe my boss isn't so great. Maybe I want to look elsewhere. That's kind of what you could potentially see with, with some teams or some schools. Maybe they decide to look elsewhere. So conference realignment, it, it, you might see some movement for the first real time since the, you know, since the Big 12, uh, you know, the changeover from the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Yeah, we've already seen it. Notre Dame's in the ACC this year. So, like, we've seen uh, them join a conference. Uh, But I think there's that potential, and it depends on how all of the chips fall after this complete mess, right? This is a mess of a season. It's a mess of a year. Everything's crazy. What happens? Who who, who does it work for? Who who thrives? Who doesn't? Uh, Who's hurt more by this? What conferences look good? What conferences look bad? We don't know, but when the dust settles then I think there's some opportunity. What we do know is when there was a, an issue at the top, the power came back down to the conferences. So I think this is one of these things where the conferences are even more empowered. I don't see someone stepping in and making like a super 64 group and putting them all together. I don't think all the different fiefdoms of the conferences want to give up the power right now, but they could get a little power hungry and they could go after like, Oh, we want USC and UCLA to join our conference. And, Maybe you get some plays like that. Now, again, the TV rights are all signed away until 2024, but you get the ball rolling and, and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be able to sign this new TV deal with these new teams. And it's going to be a 16-team super conference or whatever. I think those that's potentially going to be on the table. And for the last question, I mean, USC needs to – the more valuable USC is, the more viable you know they are as a national power – the more leverage they'll have in any of those kind of negotiations. If it's like a game of musical chairs, like USC has a good shot at getting a chair. I mean, it's USC. Um, you know, if you're Oregon State, you might be worried about you're, you don't, you're, you're running around and running around. You're, there's no chair for you. There's going to be a chair for USC, but you want the best possible chair possible. And I think that's if USC can get their ducks in a row, give themselves a better opportunity to get the best deal they possibly can. If it's in the Pac-12, if it's independent, if it's joining another conference, if it's going into a super conference, whatever it is, you want USC to be in a great position to do that. So they have to take care of their own business first. Sinke on YouTube says uh, USC stock is down right now. Uh, He wants USC to go independent, but he says USC has no juice right now for media deals, which is kind of what you're alluding to, right? Yeah, I mean, the more juice you have, the better. It would have been easier to do it in 2005. It would have been a lot easier than... Uh, right now, but there's still a lot. USC is going to get the benefit of the doubt 
no matter what. What they lose five games last year, and they're still like number seventeen in the country. Um, yeah, so there's that's that's the USC way. So there, you have advantages being USC, but to get the kind of deals that you would want, and Notre Dame, you know, they have their own deal with NBC, and uh, I think Pete Sampson wrote a story on this. They don't, actually don't make as much money as they would if they were in the Pac-12, but they like they value that independence. USC doesn't need to value that independence, but if they could make some kind of deal with Notre Dame where they get a, a better NBC deal because they have two teams to cover instead of one, I mean, who knows? I think those options are on the table. You have to look at that. But, yes, USC needs their stock to be going a little further up to give themselves the best opportunity. So the last couple of questions I have left, unless you have something, Shadi, was about USC's current players, their current roster management. A lot of people wanted to know opting out. Of course, JT Fele was the first to opt out. Do you see anyone coming down the pipeline to opt out? And then do you see anyone transferring? I saw those questions as well. Uh, first off, our thoughts are with Jay Tufele's sister, yes. who has COVID. Uh, he, he started a GoFundMe page for it. They talked about it a little bit because his little brother was playing uh, on ESPN yesterday, Bingham. Um, but thoughts with her and the, and the Tufele family. Hopefully, she gets better. And, and uh, you know, the Jay's not having that that be a burden for him this offseason as well. Uh, but yeah, Jay Tufele, you know, he he checks out and is going to go to the NFL and going to prepare for the NFL draft. Yes, I think we're going to see some other players consider that. I mean, the the simplest one, and you know, we talked about this last week more, but uh, you know, I did a piece on the the players that would have a spring season decision to make, and I think the simplest one is Amon Ross St. Brown because I don't know what else he has to prove at the college level. Um, so I think it's more likely that that someone like that is going to make a decision to to skip a season, the potential of injury if they've already proven themselves. So guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe Tyler Vaughn's, you know, what do you have left have left to prove? There are certain things each of them have, and that story, if you want to look it up, uh, you know, I talk about the things that each player can still prove and to improve their stock. But you know, th- then you're going with the risk assessment. Um, so those two receivers are probably at the top of the list. But there's some other players definitely that are considerate. The transfers are the more interesting one to me, and uh, and that because that mainly because you've seen Colin Schooler uh, committed to Texas Tech today, who was Arizona's leading tackler the last two years. He was second le- leading tackler as a freshman. Uh, just you know, a huge impact player in the middle of that Arizona defense. He and his brother both decided to grad transfer. Uh, so they could, they could play right away. They don't have to worry about trying to get a waiver or anything. As a grad transfer, they could play right away, but they wanted to play in the fall. Is there anyone on the USC roster that would want to do that? You know, is there a Jordan Iacefa or someone that is a is a redshirt senior, a Tyler Vons that is is graduating or has their degree? Um, you know, those those type people are the ones that potentially could do it. Um, so I, I think those are the bigger questions. We haven't heard anything as of yet. But those are the ones that I would keep my eye on. Those ones might surprise a little bit more than the, than the NFL decisions. Yeah, and I think when we talk about potentially playing in the spring, that would be something to mitigate the potential for grad transfers going somewhere else. So Colin Schooler is going to go play at Texas Tech because he can play right away. If he knew there was going to be six or seven games in the spring before the NFL uh, combine and stuff, would he have stayed? I, I don't know. Who knows? But those could that could be a factor, too. The sooner they figure out, hey, we're going to really play in the spring, that might change the minds of some of the potential grad transfers that could leave the program. There's also this weird possibility of reverse transfers. If you play in the spring, someone's injured right now, is not able to play in the fall. 
maybe they want to play in the spring. They want to get that, you know, that opportunity to play this season. This split schedule is just going to create so many different Pandora's possibilities. Box, yes. So many different possibilities. And that's one of them. Maybe you get some reverse transfers where someone was injured or they were just behind someone and they didn't get in and they decide after two or three games and they're not playing and say, coach, just, no, I'm done. I'm going to look for somewhere in the spring where I think I'll actually get playing time consistently. Right. Mm-hmm. So who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be yeah. fun, fun, interesting, weird season. Yeah. We have yeah. to make the most fun out of this as we possibly can. Cause you know, 2020 sucks, right? It's just, no one likes <laughs> yeah. it. No one's like, Oh, 2020 is awesome. It sucks, but there could be some cool stuff that comes from it. So we have to kind of keep our options open and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one more question. It's from Danny. And he said, uh, Depending on where the Pac-12 goes and when they play, would the Weir United group cause a potential problem for the the season to continue? It's sort of been a forgotten thing at this point, right? Just because, bit, like, yes. so that that's when it first came out. That's my initial thought was, you're worried, like, hey, we're not going to play the season. Um, we were looking at a season not being played anyway, so it's sort of like it's it's going to be strange. But at least it gives you some more opportunity to address some of the concerns that were there um, and, you know, and see. And I feel like when it became part of the whole, you know, we want to play uh, movement, they all kind of joined together. If the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 are playing, I don't think the, the We Are United people are going to be like, well, since they joined that movement and those guys are playing, they want to get the discussions going. And I think that's, you know, that stuff, stuff like that was happening so I, I just don't feel like it's going to be something that's going to threaten the season. There's so many other like, big threats for the season. I, I, I think if they can get through those, they'll pro- they, they probably won't have to worry about that, my guess. They're having those discussions now, and they're being able to have those conversations with the athletic directors and Larry Scott and stuff. So the things can be worked out before it becomes an issue in a season. But it's still to be determined, um, you know, what exactly they want. The, those type things are – are things it, it felt like it was really rushed with their decision because they wanted to get it out. Now that there had been a schedule announced, and then suddenly there was a kind of a, a, a diversion of the we want to play versus we united. They came together. There's just there was a lot of different moving parts in that, so it's hard to say exactly where where that is going to be when a season is actually played. Um, I believe working with our intern, I believe we have a caller. <laughs> Not fully sure. Um, so guys, any final thoughts? Shotgun, was there any rapid fire before? I do have a couple. Do we want to do that before? Go for it right now. Oh, yeah. We do have a caller. Do you want me to, oh, it, oh. let's go to Ryan. Okay. Let's go to uh rapid fire right now. Shotgun. Okay. Uh, Scott, Scott asked earlier in the show, what are your thoughts on the impact that this has on the 2021 and 2022 recruits? I think California kids are going to be even more enticed by the conferences that are playing. I, I think it's going to be an interesting debate. I think, it, you know, if there's still not visits, that makes it harder for, you know, if the, if the SEC suddenly can can get on-campus visits and the Pac-12 in the, in the state of California still is not having those, I think that has a much bigger impact than a school playing now versus a school playing in the spring. Um, you know, maybe it's easier for California kids to watch games now because their season isn't going to be until the spring. So maybe that gives them more flexibility to pay attention to, to schools and stuff that are playing right now. Um, but it, I, again, I think it, there's, there is going to be some impact on it. But I don't know that it's going to be a huge impact there because the, the bigger impact is going to be on rosters and roster sizes and where people think that they're going to be able to find some playing time with the fact that everyone's going to have an extra year of eligibility. Yeah. All righty. Any other uh, um, rapid fire, Shawnee? Um, 
Beck asked, do coaches still get paid? Yes, coaches and Pac-12 commissioners are still being paid exorbitant amounts. Coley had a question, uh, are USC players allowed to meet off campus and work with each other as in the QB and receivers, what they were doing basically before they got to campus? I haven't seen anyone posting these on their social media, but I don't, I mean, you can't say it's not allowed, right? Uh, They potentially could say it's not allowed. I don't think that's something that they would promote. Uh, I'm guessing some of that stuff has been going on. I went to like a private high school workout with some coaches and some, you know, prospects and stuff going out there, but they're not, you know, highly publicized things. So I would, I would be shocked if you're not seeing some of that going on, but is it really allowed? Are they, you know, there's, there's rules about sharing the same football and stuff and they'd have to wear gloves and have to sanitize it all the time and stuff. I don't know. So because of the rules, they might not, I don't think they'd be saying anything about it. And, you know, it could be questionable if you're allowed to do that or not, according to the local health standards. And, and last thing, uh, Coley asked something about Duke playing, uh, you know, um, Notre Dame. Would we be happy that it's college football or a bit bitter? More interesting, he said, would the team watch to compare and plan? And it made me think, it's going to be interesting, and I hope that we get it, where there's some snarky social media about players talking, you know, from the Big Ten and from the Pac-12. Like, man, I'd be locking that guy down right now <laughs> because they're able to watch more games now because normally players aren't able to watch games because, you know, you go into a Saturday yourself, and even if you're playing at 7.30 p.m., your day is basically, you know, you're locked in trying to focus on your your game. You may watch a couple others, but now guys are going to have their popcorn out and, you know, there are going to be some people sipping tea and whatnot. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm hoping for some snark uh, on, on Twitter and stuff. Or, you know, Michael Hutchings or, or Chris Hawkins used to call plays. Like, they, they watched so much film they knew. Maybe there'll be some play sharing of like, Ooh. oh, well, we studied. This was the, you know, some inside <laughs> scoop would be fun, you know. If there's not football, at least get some commentary. I like it. Yeah. Alrighty, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we kept having a prank caller call in. That's why I shut it down, right? Oh, like, no, that. no, you're good. Um, but first show back in the studio, I think it went all right. Thanks to everybody for watching. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap this puppy up? Kaylee's back. I got to see you in person what? for the first time in like six months. It was crazy. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Ryan, it's you in person 3D. <laughs> she doesn't want to be anywhere near me, but you no. know, we're like, that's okay. You know, but uh, it was good <laughs> to see you in person. And uh, same to you, sir. So this is a little more normal. We don't have Kaylee in the Matrix, you know, with I her know. Internet. That's one less thing to worry about. That's, yeah, that was nice. But uh, yeah. this is cool too, like being on this side. People want you to be the host and not me have to do all that stuff. <laughs> So I can just talk and I don't have to do all those things. Too. Do your so Ryan thing. I that's, do the Ryan thing. That's you know? where you're best. Yes. Yeah. Shadi, any final thoughts? It's going to be interesting when, you know, we had one game this week. Now as the games start progressing and we see more teams playing, is there going to be, are, are there going to be roadblocks that come up? And again, I think that's the big question is the travel there. You know, when teams are staying in hotels and stuff, much easier to, to limit and bubble on campus for the t- football players um, then when you're going on the road and, you know, potentially wanting to get that late night Taco Bell or whatever, but the night before a game, whatever it may be, um, does someone catch it and have there's, there become some issues there? Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully things go off flawless. That's what we're hoping for. And then if that's the case, then maybe that means that we'll see the Big Ten and the Pac-12 a little bit sooner than we anticipated. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Dave S. says smash that like button, and we agree. Wherever you are, put smash a like it. 
subscribe, favorite, whatever your platform says to do that's positive. Please do that. It helps us out. We have like 275 people live on YouTube right now. It's crazy. Thanks yeah. to everybody watching. We appreciate it. We love talking football with yeah. you guys. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.